0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 25, and uh, it's a bit different than normal because we actually recorded it a few days ago over Zoom with HRE Wheels president, uh, Alan Peltier. So if you hear him reference anything physical in the room, that's why. We are actually watching it over Zoom. So have a listen and enjoy.
1: All right, guys, I think we should be good. So um, first of all, uh, welcome to the BMW Blog. We have a new uh, Zoom podcast uh, whichever name you want to call it and today we have some special guests from California we have the uh, HRE wheels uh they've been uh, friends of ours and partners for quite some time so we're, we're always excited to uh kind of talk to them and uh you know get their input when it comes to aftermarket wheels and today we have Alan Peltier from uh HRE wheels and uh from HRE wheels and also we have uh, Nico from BMW blog uh, we're going to go through some questions you know that we have prepared you know if you do have any specific uh uh question that you might want to ask, you can leave in the comments below. Uh, we'll try to read them and answer them live. So, first of all, guys, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. All right, Alan. So, um, you know, aftermarket wheels, big topic. I've um, been using quite a few of your products also on my own uh, BMW cars, especially on the M cars. So um, the one question that we always see is what makes a good aftermarket wheel? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a, you know, I would say, that in the old days, that was a, a fairly easy question for us because I think a lot of the aftermarket wheels, the quality really wasn't great. So we would say, oh, it's the engineering and it's the testing, and you got to make sure you're, you're working with the TÜV certified facility and all these things like that. Today, I'll be honest, I think um, a lot of them riffraff to be <laughs> to be gone has either been swallowed up by bigger companies or something like that so I think there's a lot more uh, professionalism that I've seen on the aftermarket side in years of late there's still those outliers but you know it used to be when I went to SEMA or something the SEMA show uh, years ago I could take a young engineer with me and we could walk through the show and oh man okay they don't know what they're doing they don't, know what they're doing. They don't have an engineer on staff they don't, and then you get the BBS group or something like, okay, you know, they know what they're doing, or ways You can see, and you can just see it visually with your own eyes, you know, uh, because it was, the proportions were just wrong or something like that. Today, it's, it's more subtle. I think most people are using FEA and things like that to do uh, structural analysis on their wheels. And and that's always a hit and miss. You can, you know, it's junk in, junk out. So, you know, I always like to say with FEA, it'll give you a very accurate, incorrect answer if you ask it the wrong problem, right? So if you ask it to solve the wrong thing, it'll give you an answer, and you'll think it's the right answer to the question you want. But you ask it the right question. Um, today, like I said, I think it's probably a more holistic thing. Um, just working with brands that you trust, because a lot of the engineering standards are a lot more familiar. People understand. People have some experience. And so what you'll see a lot of times is, uh, hey, we've passed these tests. We've passed these tests. You can see. Uh, mode ratings and stuff change though. So you may have passed this test, but it's still not appropriate for that vehicle. So it's difficult as a consumer to understand these things. And that's where having a body like TV or something where you can know that, Hey, they're, they're actually certifying their stuff or they're, they're having it tested. Um, it's not just enough to, you know, test one or whatever, you know, you need to have all of those audits and all those things going on. But I would also say just it's more of a corporate trust thing. If you can visit the companies and understand their philosophy and understand them and see their operations and see how they do things, uh, see how they focus on the details, see how they deal with, uh, issues. I mean, I wish H3 is perfect. <laughs> uh, we're far from perfect. And, uh, but we do have a culture of making sure the customer's taken care of and then going back and figuring out what the root cause of those issues were so that we try to minimize that going forward.
1: Okay. So let me, uh, Let me get a bit into more detail. So that's that's really great background to start with. But um, tell me a little bit about the design of the wheels, some of the engineering process, maybe kind of walk me through on how do you decide which wheels to build? Do you look at a specific market, a specific car, specific customer? I guess that's gonna I mean, there's so many cars out there. So basically you could build a car for, you know, a thousand, tens of thousands of cars probably, but how do you go about that one?
2: Now that's a couple different questions actually, because um, the first part, which is the market, right? What are you going to go after? Uh, what are we going to decide to make wheels for? And when you're making wheels for the aftermarket, it can be very targeted. It can be, we're going to go after this specific vehicle. We do some, sometimes with some of ultra lightweight stuff, or are you going to make a broad series of wheels and those need to be uh, fairly universal? And so you'll pick uh, vehicle categories, say, okay, we're going to pick sports cars, or we're going to pick bigger sedans, or we're going to pick racing, or we're going to pick luxury sedans or SUVs or something. And the reason you have to target those different uh, market segments is, is twofold. One is the load ratings are often very different. So for high-performance cars, they tend to be lighter weight. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a lower load rating. Now, the, the load ratings keep going up and up because the performance levels keep going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a while, there are some weight increases mm-hmm. on cars that we're all not happy about kept going yeah. up finally starting to go in that direction uh, but then as you start to get into high performance sedans today a high performance sedan like an m5 i mean you know i mean the performance levels are off the chart compared to an old e39 you know so yeah. weight right so the, the design requirements for high performance sedans for us are much much higher than they used to be in the old days and so the first thing i would say is you're looking at okay, is this, a, is this a track wheel, is it a street wheel, is it a luxury wheel? But then also is it, what's, what's the vehicle application? So you're picking the load rating, right? And then once that happens, you sort of say, what market are we gonna go after the vehicle-wise? Then there's a couple more things. There's, okay, what platform is it gonna be three-piece, be one-piece, Is going be two-piece wheel. Um, and then a major part is the styling direction, right? Yeah. So if you look at the styling direction of our, they have to complement the vehicle and it needs to be appropriate for the vehicle. We always say appropriate around here when it comes to styling because you don't want to put something on the vehicle that ruins it. You've seen that a lot of times. People put aftermarket wheels on the car and you're just like, oh man, that's really, you should have stuck with the stock wheels. You shouldn't yeah. be doing that. And we don't ever want that to happen with an HRE set of wheels. So um, we are looking at the styling direction of the vehicles and as they evolve. Particularly, if you look at like uh, was in the late 90s and early 2000s, they were sort of big and bubbly. And then as you start to move, they started. look like they went to the gym, they start to be more chiseled and more angled. And so it depends on the general style and direction, it also depends on the target. So like a Lamborghini is very different than a Porsche. So we might make an aggressive style, it's a little more targeted to a Lamborghini. We might make something that's a little more purposeful and clean uh, that's, uh, for cognitive or for Porsche, And so, but you know, as long as the load ratings and the weights and everything are okay, they can cross over if the customer wants it. And generally, uh, the styles are, uh, elegant enough to work either way. And so that's from a market, I would say an overall view of, okay, when we're going to go create a wheel, mm-hmm. what are we at, right. But then we start getting into an actual wheel design. That's a whole different, uh, aspect. And um, then you're looking at strength, you're looking at stiffness, you're looking at weight, right and optimizing all of those things, especially for high performance wheels. We're not making big um, test- actually it's funny when we do some OE support wheels uh, for some of the OEs the era, and for testing, they'll sometimes specify lower stiffness levels to races because they're not making wheels for high performance car and they don't want to have a lot of NDAs who uh, you give hard purchase noise and stuff and so uh, we're used to making very high uh, strength, high stiffness wheels uh, and uh, low weight, right? And so those things, obviously high strength and weight, stiffness, they don't, they don't all go together. <laughs> okay. And so optimizing, figuring out how to optimize the strength, optimize the stiffness, optimize the mass, uh, there's certain uh, geometric uh, methodologies that you'll use, and, uh, and there's a lot of complex detail work mm-hmm. that will go in and get rid of extra mass and all the stuff, you know, some complex machining and things like that. But those are uh, the main drivers. And, and when I say strength, I'm talking about terms of the fatigue resistance. So, you know, you're never gonna take the wheel as, and drive it off a lot and it's gonna crack. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, a year from now it cracks or something like that. And that's a gotcha. really situation. It's not, oh, I hit a pothole or this or that. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, no, the spoke cracked because it was under designed. Or there was a problem
1: or something with material or potential Very, very rare with uh, forged materials, typically. So. Gotcha. So, let's assume that I'm a uh, I'm in the market for a uh, for a custom wheel. What should I be looking for if I'm a customer? You know, like you mentioned already, the quality. Uh, what about the fit? You know, and all all the other things that you know you want to make sure that it fits to your particular car.
2: Yeah, actually, that's a really tough. If you've picked. A man that you trust okay great that's that's great that's the first part then you've figured out okay i actually want this style that's <laughs> that's the second challenge right then you've got finish oh my gosh if, you know we've got i don't know how many finishes way too many and so that yeah, yeah. that becomes a difficult thing and then there's the fitment which is really something that is difficult to understand for a lot of people sometimes people think they understand it and they actually misunderstand it um and so for us, uh, it's best if people contact us directly okay. or working with a trusted partner that you know works with A3 a lot, uh, that's fine too, but we're going to take all that information. So we're going to try and get really what you want from the wheels. Hey, I want to go to the track and boom, 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 boom. Okay, well then, don't, but I'm looking at these P200s and I'm going to put them on my Lambo and all the stuff. It's like, or my M2. It's like... Okay, that's a lightweight car, and the P200 is not one of our lighter styles. It's an exotic, sort of more luxury-oriented wheel, and we would probably steer you away from that and put you into, like, a P101 P101C or something very lightweight. Um, and so those that's something that HRE staff would Well, your dealer might or might not necessarily do that. A lot of times people uh, make the mistake of, hey, I asked for this. It's like, well, that's what the customer wants. Well, a customer may or may not really know what they want. I mean, they know what they want. But they, don't, they may not know how to verbalize it and they may not know the differences, right? So at HRE, we know the differences, and we know the intent of the different wheel series and styles, and so we're gonna, if you tell us, hey, we're looking for, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go track every weekend, okay, we're gonna push you in a certain direction, right? Uh, it's not that that wheel's not strong enough to go on the track, it's just you're not gonna win any races because it's too heavy, right? So uh, things like that. Um, when it comes to fitment, that's another thing. We wanna really understand what you're looking for. this this is a show queen and I'm I'm taking it to the same show I just think I'm gonna have it dumped and it's gonna be out wide and it's gonna be crazy and I'm gonna camber and it's not really that drivable okay you work with us we'll work with a fitment on that and the tire selection and that's that's one thing if you if you don't know you're like I want it to work okay we have a recommended fitment that we're going to do and it's usually what we've determined is a little bit more aggressive than the you know, OE typically it depends on the manufacturer often they're constrained by tire chain regulations and things like that um, and so we'll push those out a little bit but um, often our recommendation is safe uh, but it looks looks good it doesn't upset the handling it doesn't if you met, if you mess with the offsets too much particularly in front like you can get the the steering will get sort of twitchy and you can, up the handling of the vehicle if you're not paying attention to fitment not everyone thinks oh I don't want to rub well yeah no of course we don't want to rub but um, there's other things that can happen um, especially with the lighter lighter brakes that are coming out you know you're getting a lot of lightweight uh, rotor hats and and things and so if you start pushing offsets out the car may not have been designed uh, for those extra bending moments that are now getting put into the to the rotor hats and things and so it, it can start to cause noises and things like that on the cars and so there's a lot <laughs> that goes into it. And so it's actually a big challenge for HRE because a lot of I don't know what to get. You know, I, there's just yeah, too many, so
1: many options. Yeah.
2: And it's like, that's what, just call us and talk to us and uh, we can help guide you, um, you know? And that's really what I recommend. And that's, that's where it, aftermarket wheels is really, really tough. You know, mm-hmm. our philosophy is like, we don't want to ever hurt the car. We don't want to make anything unsafe. We don't want the car to handle any worse than it did to Prove all those things, right? So mm-hmm. uh and look better at the same time. So that's that's our philosophy and the way really we approach it. But I get that it's a daunting, daunting issue. And so sometimes uh, with younger junior salespeople, same thing. I'm like, no, tell them what you think. Well the customer's asking, I tell them to pick out of these 60 finishes or 80 okay. finishes, you know. No, 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 no. You know what's gonna look good because we do this every day. Yeah, Give okay. them everything. Your- you know we're the experts so let's use that and a lot of times our customers really appreciate it. they're like okay it's like well, I'm thinking about this and this what do you think oh uh, well, I don't know pick one no 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 tell them what you
1: think <laughs> gotcha. yeah. Okay. Yeah. now if we we're to um, kind of look at the um, just the BMW market um, which style of wheels do you see being most popular from you guys and um, also for what type of vehicle
2: yeah, yeah. I think it's actually strangely broad. Uh, and it's not, it actually it's not strangely broad. It's broad uh, because F F80 is a great example, right? F80, F80, those, that, that was our number one vehicle for a long
1: time. Was it really?
2: Okay. let we'll see if it still is. It's such a broad, has such a broad reach in terms of electric versus a 488 or a GT3 or something, which are kind of like second and third, right, for us. Those are a little more focused, whereas, you know, an F80 or an F80. Those cars have a broad customer base, and people use them for different things. It's like, hey, I'm going to take my kids to school, or I'm going to take it to the track, or I'm going to do, you know, do whatever. And what you'll see is um, people go everything. They go from classics, three-piece, these old-school, 90s-looking wheels, and you put them on, and you're like, that's amazing. <laughs> and then... Go to one of our street, like a P1SC or the new two-piece S1SC or something. It's like, oh my gosh, that's just—it's just perfect. It looks like it was designed for that car. Or they go more motorsport, right? And then it's going to be more purposeful and about Weight. And yeah. so with BMWs, because they're fairly flexible in their mission, uh, we see quite a bit of range on uh, on the applications. And so I—I I, I would say. You know the probably the one that we see most. We see two extremes. We see the classics, which are not super lightweight. They're old school, uh, and then we see like R101 lightweight, which is really, really just take every bit of weight out of it. You know, and uh, they're totally opposite. But those are probably the two most popular things we see. And so it's a very broad. I know that's not a great answer. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, no. What's the what's the most What's the most expensive wheel set that you've ever made? Let's start first for a BMW and then for other brands. Uh,
2: uh, Well, I mean, I think we're not going into exotics and things. We used to have carbon barrel rims back 10 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. Looking at normal uh, forged aluminum wheels that we have, we've had uh, some wheels, I would probably say M5 applications that have gone upwards of 15, to seventeen thousand dollars because they run crazy on the finishes, <laughs> and so you're starting with a wheel that's already in that twelve thousand retail range, and then you're starting to pile on all these custom things, and so we've had some that are extremely expensive, uh, and I wouldn't know. I mean, we have you know, let's yeah, yeah. go through every month, so I, I wouldn't know exactly. Um, what's
1: what's what's the range if you're a customer? What's the lowest that you can start at? Let's say that I want to really want to get an HRE wheel, and what's the lowest one that you can get and still be, you know, good quality and everything else? So we
2: have we have two two brands. We have our Flowform brand, which is okay. a cast Flowform wheel, and those are about on average about six hundred dollars a wheel retail. Okay. So about twenty five hundred dollars set. Uh, we have uh, different fitments for a lot of a lot for M three and M four and stuff like that. Yeah. and that's, entry-level set, or if you want to take it to the track and, to, hey, I want to beat my wheels up, and I want to beat up my factory wheel or something, you can throw these on, and you can go beat them up. They're, they're, they're really strong. Um, if you start to get into fours, you're probably more in the uh, $4,500, $5,000 range. For some of the classics, those are some of our least expensive, uh, or actually we brought back the 540 which was when I first started in 99, was the wheel we had going. That was our big wheel. And, uh yeah. You know, all over E46 M3s and stuff, and so um, you the 540s I think are definitely under. They're gosh, 4,500 bucks, and for a set, you can go all the way up. Like I said, 12 or so. I would say the most popular more, more um, in the P1 or P1SC type range, S1SC, in that in that uh, two thousand dollar per wheel, so more like eight thousand dollars retail. And if you do a standard finish, then you're not getting any upcharge. With polish, you're going to start adding on 500 all a
1: wheel for things. So, I'm going to let Nico jump in because I know he's been looking at, at wheels lately, so <laughs> I'm sure he's got some he's got some questions too.
0: Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about um, kind of some of the, the advances in material technology. Like you have things like um, you know titanium and 3D printing and just stuff like that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that kind of thing? Sure.
2: I think, uh, <clears throat> first let me say, um, most forged wheels right now use uh, 60612 sticks. And it's, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's a fantastic material, it's very robust, it's strong, it's lightweight, it's got great fatigue resistance, it's got great resistance. So the base material that we use for forged wheels is stellar. And that's why 99.9% of the forged wheels out there, that's what they're made from. Um, I think in the past what we've seen a lot, and you see it with the Porsche from the OE side with the 918, the 30T is forged magnesium. This isn't like cast magnesium from the 80s, which had a lot of problems with corrosion and brittleness and cracking and things like that. Forged magnesium, you can actually get quite a high specific strength, which is strength for weight, and right. you can get quite a bit of toughness, which is uh, toughness is, is kind of what it sounds like. In engineering, toughness is the ability to absorb energy so impacts and things like that, and so with a Forge mag, you can get quite a bit of toughness. Um, it still has corrosion sensitivity and things like that, so you haven't seen nature uh, move into that realm. There also, there's manufacturing challenges, uh, particularly on the finish side, things like that. So we've been looking at, uh, okay, how do we make a lightweight wheel better? and uh, we obviously keep evolving our designs and learning more on the engineering side and on how to take more mass out of wheels and maximum stiffness and things like that but obviously a material jump would be really nice and so we've been looking at some uh, different alloys in aluminum and there's interesting challenges there uh there's never nothing's ever free right um you get higher strength potentially, but it's got more notch sensitivity or it's got more corrosion sensitivity, you know, issues. And so you've got to knock down these factors. So you might think, man, I can make a wheel this strong. Well, in reality, you've got to take that way back. And then also remember stiffness is a big factor. So if you start moving into different alloys of aluminum, uh, the stiffness of the material stiffness doesn't really change from sixty to sixty one to say 7 series or something like kind that of aluminum. And so if you take too much mass out of it, uh, if you haven't turned around and optimized the geometry for stiffness, you could end up um, having a wheel that now is you know, a little too flexible, right? And those are things where it, it sort of takes away some of your design freedom. And so if you're only making high-performance motorsport-type wheels we you pick process, exotics oh, that stuff makes sense. Okay, that really works. In some ways, it, it can be a little constraining. Um, and then if you start looking at composites, um, I'm not going to – say whether we're working on the composites, (laughs) obviously. Um, And I think that we are. Uh, I think that the thing that you haven't seen from HRE is there's a lot of carbon barrels, a lot of carbon stuff out there right now, forged carbon and all these other things. And again, we're looking at the materials, Um, like forged carbon is great for a lot of things, but doesn't have the stiffness yet uh, that's needed really for for wheels. Um, If you look at normal, carbon uh, with uh, proper layups and things like that, uh, you can get quite a bit of stiffness. Impact tends to be a challenge. I've uh, seen a lot of companies get around the impact issue with just adding weight. And if you think about like a rim barrel, uh, it's almost the worst place to put carbon in terms of its weaknesses, but it's also a great advantage because you're minimizing that rotational mass, and in, rotational inertia, right, because by taking mass out of the rim barrel. so. While the reward is high, the the challenge is also high. And what you aren't seeing from Atria is us just picking up somebody's rim barrel and and, and selling it. Um, we, uh, with any advanced materials, we want to be involved in development. Want to be want to have our input, whether we're the carbon experts or not. Um, we want to help drive the design and the structural requirements and all those things because we are a wheel specialists. So we do understand that. And I see a lot of people who make. Things out of different carbon fiber, making wheels, and they bring them to us. Right like, now, you you don't clearly understand the other side, of it. <laughs> which is the wheel side. <laughs> so, um, so that's why uh, we aren't just running off and buying somebody's barrel right like, now, going urban. Right. Um, and then when you look at titanium, 3D printed uh, titanium. That was
0: that was my next. Yeah. Yeah, next I, I'm semester. sorry. I know. No, I knew you were getting there. I just... <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just, uh, trying to, I think, I genuinely think additive is going to change the world. I mean, I'm printing, 3D printing things for my son at home for a school project (laughs) like that, you know, but I'm not printing titanium, you know, I'm printing plastic. And so, but I do, uh, love the, just the idea of. Being able to create something right there on uh, on the spot like that, and it's a lot less wasteful. You're basically using material almost that you're going to end up with in the final part. So I think as the processes get more advanced and stuff, it's going to really really change the world. Um, Now that being said, uh, particularly with metals uh, and titanium in particular, there's a there's this idea you know with the oh you can can design anything and print anything and actually and so. So here's the example, you know, you can't interlace spokes like this in normal CNC machining, you know. I mean, it's crazy, and these hollow, these hollow thin spokes, right? That's really, really difficult or impossible with normal CNC, even 5 axes. It's really difficult to do that. So 3D printing allows you to do, and now let me say that, I. That's not the most structurally efficient way to do something, but... <laughs> Looks really cool. Right? <laughs> okay, so yeah. there's the engineer, and then there's the, hey, okay. yeah. you know, real searching functions. They gotta be cool and beautiful, and yeah. they gotta work, right? So, um, but there's this idea that, hey, I can print anything. I, if I can design it, I can print it. And the reality is, is particularly with 3D printing titanium, the technology is still relatively young. And so there are a lot of challenges, um, on the manufacturing side, a lot of constraints. And so as you start to go down the path of designing something for additive, it's like, oh, wait, I can't do that. I can't do that. And, and so this idea that you can print anything, it really isn't real, uh, yet. Um, and I think that's just a time thing. And so. Uh, we are still, uh, working on additive solutions. Uh, we do want to bring an additive wheel to the market. Uh, we want to make sure that it is something that is not only unique, but genuinely lightweight and just something that you wouldn't be able to see, normally, uh, with normal, I mean, we could print some, one of our design, you know, that's, that's not, that's not that cool. I mean. you know we want to print something challenging but we want to do it in a way that is um, has a broader market uh, access this this wheel we were to make this in one piece and sell it um, realistically this is probably a hundred and twenty thousand dollar set of wheels so yeah and we have customers that will buy that Um, you know when we show Types is literally a customer with a Sharon. that's like, I need to set how much it is. I want to buy that set. It's like, it's not for sale. And they're throwing $300,000 numbers at you and things like this. And so, yeah, there are there's small tiny, tiny little group of people that will jump on something like this, especially in the ch- when they're an early adopter, right? But we want to use technology like this to really bring it into the business and make it a part of our ongoing structure and ongoing market uh, uh, I'm sorry uh, ongoing product portfolio right where it's not just a super crazy niche thing means right. looking at solutions to try and get that price point down at least so that it's in the mid tens of thousands <laughs> if you're in the thousand dollar range okay beating I guess a forged magnesium wheel a factory Porsche wheel or something like that and, right. and I would argue that a you know, three D printed titanium carbon barrel things cooler. Fair <laughs> 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 sure
0: enough. Yeah. You,
2: know, you know, there's a lot more technology that goes into it than just making the 14 easy one, right? right. And, uh That's sort of a known technology. Uh, the performance right. benefits of Fortune they are great. They're lightweight. They're, they're awesome. Uh, but we, we just really want to challenge ourselves and challenge um, the 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 technology to try and help grow the technology as well. So it's not quite ready. Um, but we are still actively going after or something like that. And it's interesting that uh, titanium, it's, um, it's got a higher specific strength than aluminum. Obviously it's much stronger for weight. People don't realize, it's not as, it's, uh, it's not, uh, it's heavier. People think titanium is super light. It's actually heavier, it's denser than uh, aluminum. And so it's the specific strength that's higher, not the actual. Right. So the, the thing about making a titanium wheel out uh, of the way we would do it now with CNC machining or something is inevitably you wouldn't be able to get in and machine out those dead spaces where there's not a lot of load, but you can't get to that extra mass and get it out of there. And you would take a massive weight penalty on that compared to aluminum because the density is higher. And so if you're not careful, you can easily end up with a wheel made out of titanium that's heavier than aluminum. And so that's where the... 3D printing comes in, it's not that this is just cool. You have to basically get rid of all of the extra structure. All of that yeah. structure is going to give you a massive weight penalty. So that's where additive really makes making wheel out of titanium viable. You want to make a titanium that looks like a steely or something like that, like a flat plate? Yeah, okay, but why? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you want to have normal proportions from an aesthetic perspective and all this stuff, yeah. maybe all out, that. and that's where additive really uh,
1: makes titanium feasible, Gotcha. gotcha. Very still
0: interesting.
1: a little young. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. What's the, what's the one customer that has the most HRE wheels? You know, uh, I don't know cause it changes. Yeah. Uh, I do know. Okay. Of customers. What's, what's the number? That, I mean, give me. Like uh, I was gonna say, go. I know of uh,
2: customers that have almost 30 sets of wheels or around around 30 have bought around sets of wheels from us. The thing is, is that most of our business is not retail. We do very, very, less than 1% of our business is retail. And that's usually a okay. friend or somebody like that, workers. Yeah. Um, and so we don't always see the customer. customer. Sometimes they're celebrities, sometimes they're You know, it's really disappointing. You find out somebody super famous uh, has your wheels. It's like, oh man, I wish I knew that. <laughs> but the, the reality is sometimes our dealer's like, hey, uh, you know, this guy's had 25 sets of wheels he's bought, you know, from you. And it's like, what? If, why don't you let, if we knew those things, and I think this is a, you know, we need to work on our communication probably a little bit better. So, uh, you know, when we find out we have customers like that, obviously we, we, we try to do something for them because uh, that loyalty is, um, uh, not something we take lightly and uh, work really hard to have repeat uh, customers. I think once you get into the HRE family, um, I'm sorry, I'm shaking the table. Once you get into the HRE family, uh, it, it is often a place you like to stay. And I'll, I'll say, it's funny, sometimes it's the people that have had an issue, they have a quality problem or something, and they see how we respond to that, and they're like, oh, I, there really is value in paying what I paid for HRE. And so you end up building uh, a better, more customer loyalty because then they actually deal with us directly. Oftentimes people buy our wheels, like I said, they don't actually purchase directly from us. And so they don't actually get to meet us, don't get to know us and don't, don't ever interface with us. Uh, but if they have an issue, uh, they, we definitely want people to interface directly with us. And that's
1: when they go, yeah. oh yeah, A3 is different.
2: They really do want to take care of this and make sure everything's happening.
1: Gotcha. So, what's your uh, what's your favorite HRE project? It doesn't have to be a BMW car; it could be any brand, or you can just break it down into a BMW and non-BMW car. Any yeah. any favorite project that, that you've seen? And I mean, I see a lot of your photos, you know, posted, and we repost some of them. And some yeah. of the, the 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 builds are really cool, actually. You know, some of them are overly done, you know, but some of them are just super super cool to look at. Yeah, I think um, obviously it's tough for me It's very I, subjective, right? So I mean, you, get, yeah, yeah, you also,
2: you get, you're so used to it. You're here. And so it's, it's, it's really unique. Like the old days when I was first here, oh my gosh, all the SEMA builds and everything we did was so exciting. I've been here 21 years and I've been to SEMA so many times, you know, <laughs> it's like, now it's it, what you start to see in this building is, um, I don't know if you saw, and this isn't a BMW, but like, the I forgot what it's called, the, the little 550 spider. Uh, project that we did. Oh, yeah. Little cars like that that are sort of like a throwback or older, you know, uh, somebody has a 2002 or something, that's that's where you're going to see us more uh, excited these days. You know, because having a crazy Liberty Walk Mambo, that's cool. We love that. But it's not the same as somebody... Just spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on on something old that they have maybe modernized in some way. And There's a mix, and so then we'll throw in uh, our our uh, expertise to help them out. So that's that's the kind. Oh, actually, oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can't remember. There's some. I should have prepared better for that question because there are some great. You can actually things like uh, that.
1: If Here's you just find mood. it, you can you can drop it in the comments. So after we're yeah. done on Facebook, just if you have like some yeah. photos, just have Absolutely. one of the guys drop it. There oh, yeah.
2: it our, our marketing guys are going to kick me. They're going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> so now let's,
1: <laughs> let's see if we get even more specific. So I was just thinking right now, as you were talking about this, I think in the BMW world, most of the M cars that you see are like black or White or gray, and I feel like you can match, especially black and white, with a lot of different wheels. But on the uh, F80 M3 and F82 M4, you know, the launch colors were kind of crazy. So they had the uh, Yas Marina blue, and then they had the Austin yellow. So I, I always favorite. see, I, I see some crazy projects, not from you guys, but from others too. Uh, and and I find like it's really hard to pair wheels with those particular colors and cars. So let's start with the Yas Marina Blue. What color combination and and what wheel design would you pick for that one? And then we'll do one for for the Austin Yellow
2: style is is can change. So like I said, it depends on what you're gonna do, what you're trying so to do. So let's
1: say that I want looking for something that I don't uh-huh. want to stand out too uh-huh. much. I wanna be like I, I just want to have some really cool uh-huh. wheels, maybe not too yeah. far away from the from uh-huh. the OEM, so something close to that. But I want to yeah. be a little bit special, but I don't want to go to the extreme, you know. No, you you need it to pop a little bit, but you don't want okay. to and you don't want it to contrast too much with the finish, Which right? the opposite of what
2: I'm, what I usually <laughs> do. So there's a couple there's a couple finishes that HRE has, like before everybody just did brush and clear, brush clear, and then it was to brush clear. It was a little darker, <clears throat> and made it a little more subtle, but still you can see the craftsmanship. I think what we're starting to see now is, um, we've got a couple finishes, uh, this polished uh, bronze, I forgot,
1: uh, again, I'm working against, me. and yeah so, and the oem has one like that too it's so like I mean,
2: a, it's, a, yeah. it's basically we take the wheel to full polish which takes first, mm-hmm. and it gets to full polish and then we put a translucent uh clear coat on it that's tinted bronze and it has this depth to it that is absolutely amazing so you could put that on either color either of those colors and that, because that bronze is not silver, it's not black, it's not charcoal, but it's got this, it's a, it's a darker, but then when you get up close to it, you, you're like, wait a minute, there's something really special about that. And what's happened recently, we did with the launch of the S1SC two-piece wheel we have, is we launched it with the, the same finish, polish, but with a champagne to, to clear coat. And that is almost like a gold color, but a really, not like a really cheesy, you know, gold uh, but a really really elegant uh, goldish finish and it is it sort of harkens back to like the gold anodized wheels from the 80s when we grew up with, um, well not you guys but when I grew up as a kid and looking at motorsports and stuff like that you know those that it almost has that anodized gold finish and again we, we tell customers you got to do this they're just looking at us like crazy like hey, you want me to put gold no 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 no. trust me it is so gorgeous
0: and I think either of those
2: uh work really well they're not subtle but they're not garish either you know what I mean and they're very different they're very different than what you can get from the OE and then when you look at it a are like wait there's something special it's like yeah well a lot of hours <laughs> a lot a lot of hours we went into those, finish- and they are expensive, unfortunately. But um, there, those two finishes I think are our favorites. I think we actually did both finishes on the launch of the SOSC. So we show them either in the polished bronze or we show them in the polished champagne. Um, they're they're stunning. And when I say that, I'm sorry. When I mean it's-, it's polished, then it's got the translucent bronze or sat or champagne, but then it's got a satin over it, so it's actually a satin color. Okay. Yeah. So multiple steps. Cool. So, yeah, again our marketing. Are Very good.
1: cool. I'm not sure like about being young. Uh, I think Nico's young, but I I don't know about me. Yeah, I don't want to consider myself young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I might look well, young, in,
2: but I'm in my fifties, so you know I'm, oh, I'm
1: okay. you don't look I'm I mean out. i would say four yeah. yeah
2: I'm going through full blown midlife crisis mode right now. Yeah. For my <laughs> generation it isn't it's not fancy cars and and all that. It's it's more about staying healthy and you all that
1: We've got kids, and we realize mm-hmm. we're older our kids grow up <laughs> exactly so Nico, do you have any do you have anything else because I kind of took over the whole thing uh
0: no, I just had one more question, and it was how do you manage that fine line Because you just talked about having a, a wheel design that's definitely less subtle than a stock wheel, but also not garish. I feel like that's a really hard it's a really fine line to uh to not cross you know it's tough to do.
2: It's tough with the, you know, when it depends on uh, what we're trying to accomplish. With the finishes, with the customer, we're trying to gauge what they want. Sometimes they're just like, I want crazy. Okay,
0: yeah.
2: you know, we'll give you crazy. Um, sometimes they don't know, and that's where we'll start to steer them. But that actually, that question actually comes up on the wheel design side, too. So on the right. style side. So I used to design all our wheels years ago. And the reality is, if I still designed all our wheels, we would probably be out of business. Because... <laughs> My styling direction is, is very simplistic. It's, I, I, I like things to be sort of clean and purposeful and not crazy. And the reality is um, this, the what is popular and in demand right now is much more aggressive. There's a lot more going on with their designs. They're a lot more complex. I mean, when I first started Atria, a long wheel spent an hour in a mill the CNC machine. Today, uh, An hour a joke, I mean our average is three three and a half hours per design, and some of our are seven or eight hours per week in the middle, and so the complexity of the styling uh, has really gone up, and I think that also harkens to the car right so the cars they 've got a lot more detail uh, going on, right. and so people want to see a more aggressive style of wheel and so sometimes. Um, our team will come up with ideas and I'm like, but I'm trying to pull that back because uh, if we have room in the series, what I'll say is look, uh, we need these really, these ones we know these are great, they're elegant, they're gorgeous and they are more aggressive, but they're not crazy. And if we know we've got a good solid foundation, then I may say, okay. It's cool to take that crazy one and throw that crazy one in. And let's see if it sells, And if it does, awesome. And, and, and sort of push, push the boundaries. And so we don't ever want to create something that's tacky, right, Gary? And so that's where I try to push back. But if I push back too much, everything we do is going to be boring. And so that's a balance that I've had to uh, evolve. Actually, it's just something that's had to evolve for me and to let us get more aggressive as we go, because it, it actually goes counter to my styling direction. Uh, yeah. when you take one of these crazy, actually our, our sales director, he's got a Cayman GTS and he's got pretty crazy wheel design on there. And, and it was like, that was not designed with any sense for Porsche in mind. <laughs> <laughs> it actually looks fantastic. You know, so
0: right,
2: right. sometimes you have to see it before you realize. And that's one thing, looking at a wheel by itself, it's totally different when you go put it on the car. And so I would say that issue right. more affects us from a styling perspective and a finished perspective. Finished perspective, we're trying to give the customers what they're asking for, but we will think, are you sure about that? When we see something that's, we just don't think it's gonna come out very well and it's gonna look pretty bad. Right. Because we, we
0: obviously
1: we want to reflect on us, oh, we're gonna make customers happy, but we don't wanna have little really garish wheels right around and that's not
0: really our yeah. style. So, yeah.
1: I think, I mean, I'm going to end with this, but I think when the new uh, M3 and M4 come out, you know, sometimes early next year, I think that's going to be a challenge for you guys. How do you balance that very bold, aggressive design in your face with a wheel design? Because now <laughs> you have this front end, which is dominating the entire yeah. car, the entire road pretty much. And now if you add some crazy wheels to it, you're like way
0: out there. No, so but it's I mean, going to
1: be... Yeah.
2: It, in some senses... Uh, sorry to interrupt you. This no, me. no, But, uh, I mean, in some senses, uh, the car, I shouldn't say this, you know, but it's going to be a little out of balance, right? It's going to be, it's kind of like the Lexus generation, you know, it's just like the front grille is everything. And then the rest of the car is fairly sedate. It's like, wait, what's going on? You know, (laughs) so if the M3 and M4 are going to be that way, having a more aggressively styled wheel will actually help balance out the car's design, I think. So It's, I don't know if you guys, I'm a Honda guy, so, you know, the the current Type R is crazy. I mean, it's attractive, you know, but I love it. And people were like, oh, you got to take the wing off. The wing's crazy. It's like, no, if you take off the the wing, then the rest of the crazy is just, right? right? So the wing balances out the rest of the crazy, right? So uh, the new M cars might need a little more crazy to help balance
1: out the grill And that's my
0: <laughs> interesting, makes sense. interesting.
1: And i think uh, it'll be very interesting and yeah. i got a feeling i got a feeling they're going to go with a crazy color for the launch color some yeah. sort of bright red or something like that that's my <laughs> that's my feeling based on yeah. what i've seen so i think uh it'll be very uh, exciting to see what you guys come up with so yeah. Cool. Well, I don't want to keep you any longer. This was awesome. A lot of good info. If you do have any resources that you want to drop, feel free to leave yeah. them in the in the uh, Facebook comments there, so people can actually see it. And um, Alan, appreciate the time. it Was great sure. talking to you guys. Always a pleasure seeing you. Hopefully, you know this whole situation results itself, so we can all get together more events. I, I was looking forward to seeing you guys at uh, uh, Monterey Car Week. You know, you're yeah. you're always there, so you always have a nice display and. Spent a lot of time with uh, Michelin and all of that. But unfortunately, I don't think it's gonna happen this year, so yeah, we'll no, regroup I, next you know, year. Yeah, for sure. And, and
2: on that note, I, I do want to just say, you know, I, I, I want everybody to hope everybody's staying safe, and staying healthy, and obviously I'm not wearing my mask. Here. My mask is right here, but uh, <laughs> we are open at HRE because we have some military contracts. And so, oh. you know, great, because we're, we're alive, but um, it's stressful for me because we have our production staff here Um, obviously well, disinfecting, I cleaned the bathrooms more times in the
0: last six weeks
2: (laughs) and so, um, but you know, our office staff, we actually uh, sent them home a week before the California had a stay at home order because we knew this was, this was going to be a problem. And so we're obviously taking it very seriously. And, um, luckily, like I said, we have some contracts that allow us to have an exemption, stay open. Um, but. We have to weigh that with the health of our uh, team and their families and their friends and everybody. So we want to be a good community partner and do what's prudent and responsible as well. And so we sort of, I sort of berate the team. It's like, go home, don't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know. But uh, um, it's a tough time and uh, we're spending it. Uh, there's a lot of internal reflection on our culture and our processes and things like that. And how can we improve things? And we want to come out of this uh, uh, Even stronger uh, than we would have been, just because we would have been probably mired in the day-to-day a little bit too much. And so, I think it's allowed us to reflect a little bit. And uh, I think it'll end up being something that makes us stronger in the end. And I hope that's the case for most people. I know a lot of people have lost uh, loved ones that are know are sick. So our thoughts and uh, condolences uh, to those that have lost people go wow. out. Um, it's a it's a tough, terrible situation. Okay. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Thank you again, Alan. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.
2: Yeah. Nico, it was good having no. you,
1: too. No, uh, thanks for having me on. We'll do this again in the future when the new M3 and M4 comes out. So look <laughs> forward you know. to with you well, It was good talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Take
2: care. Thank you. Bye yep. now.